So last week we started this series for the new year called New. We're dealing with things that are standing in the way of us walking in our new life with Jesus. So our main text that we use is uh, Ephesians 4, in which Paul challenges and encourages the believers not to live like their old sinful self, like the unbelievers are doing, and the way that they used to live, but to live by the new life that they have in Christ. So last week, if you remember, we started with the topic of laziness because Ephesians 4.24, at the end of the passage, Paul says, and put on a new self. So put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So put on is actually an action. And when we're lazy, we don't act. So I hopefully, hopefully you had a, a very productive week this week. Everybody? Yeah? Good. I know it's hard with all this gray weather we've been having. But today, we're going to deal with the next thing I believe stands in the way of us living in our new life with Christ. And that is a thing called pride. Now, C.S. Lewis talks a lot about pride. And he says this, make no mistake about it. Pride is the great sin. It is the devil's most effective and destructive tool. Now, pride is really anti-God because we believe and we feel that we've achieved, we've progressed, we had victory, we excelled because of how great we are. The more success we have, the more susceptible we actually are to being prideful. Now, C.S. Lewis goes on in his writing and, say, and he says this about pride. He says, we hate it in everyone else, but we tolerate it in our own lives. We hate it in everyone else, but we tolerate it in our own lives. So the truth is, pride stands in the way of us living our new life with Christ because it convinces us this, that we don't need to change anything. It convinces us that we don't need to change anything or that we don't need help from God to change. So that's what pride will do to us. It convinces us we don't need to change or if we do, we don't need help from God. We could do it on our own. So let's look at what Paul says to the believers in Ephesus about pride. It says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So Paul is speaking of how the unbelievers are acting. But reminding the believers that when we fall back into acting like that, we'll not take hold of the new life in Christ that we have because of pride. Or as he states it, hardness of heart. Hardness of heart, which alienates us from the life of God. For our purposes today, pride can and does stand in the way of making the changes in our life that need to be made. So I want to start with a question, and it's going to be kind of hard to answer. Here is the question. What needs to change in your life that you are not willing, that's what I say, to admit needs to change? Not willing to admit needs to change. Now, I will give you a hint on how to answer that question. Listen to the people that know you the best, okay? Listen up to the people that know you the best. Start with the people that you live with. They know you the best, right? What needs to change in my life? Start with the people that you live with. Then the people that you hang out with, the people that you spend most of your time with, 
they seem to know you pretty well. And then go to the people that you work with. If, if you're not willing to see it, and if you're not willing to admit it, you need other people to kind of help you understand this. Now, I'm not necessarily saying go ask them, although that would really help, okay? Because if you ask them, if they're truthful with you, they'll tell you. But I'm saying pay attention to the comments that they make. Pay attention to the comments they make. That might give you a little inkling on what in your life needs to change. Now, this is tough because if the comments they are making are true, here's what happens. They strike a nerve, right? If the comments they are making are true, they strike a nerve. We get mad. We get upset. We get defensive. I'm not like that. Do you know what that is? That's pride, okay? We say, I'm not like that. But deep down, we know, so it bothers us, it strikes a nerve. You may be so caught up in pride that admitting what they said is true is hard for you because that would make them right and you wrong. Pride again, right? You're not right, I'm not like that. I don't need to change. Now think about this for a second. When someone says something about you that's not true, Maybe you're annoyed because of the injustice of the statement, but it doesn't really strike a nerve, does it? A lot of times you just shrug it off or laugh it off because it's not true. It doesn't bother you. But when the statement's true, it, it, it strikes a nerve. Deep down, we think, okay, they're on to me. They know what needs to change. And now in my pride, because I've been living this way or because I haven't changed, because I haven't asked for help, because I haven't admitted it, it actually strikes a nerve. So if pride is standing in the way of changing things in our lives, that needs to change. Okay, the, the pride that we have needs to change. So how do we combat that? Well, before we find out how to combat pride in our lives, so that we can change. What I want to do is I want to look at some scriptures that talk about how toxic and unhealthy pride can be in our lives. So you and I can realize if I keep on going down this road, it's actually going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I mean, we can hang on to that pride. We can live in that pride, but it's just going to get worse. So let's look at the first thing. The first thing is this. Pride keeps us from trusting God. Psalm 10, 4 says this. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Now, this is an extreme example of how pride affects people. Unwilling to believe and trust that there is a God. But it's not just admitting there is a God. We have to believe that Jesus is actually God. I mean, that's our whole focus as believers. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We have to let down our pride and say, I need someone to save me. Jesus is the one who came to this earth, who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, who rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the scriptures say this, all who believe will have eternal life. Well, that belief starts with admitting, I can't save myself. I am a sinner and I need Jesus. The fool says there is no God, okay? This prideful person says there is no God. So now for the believer though, that struggles with pride, sometimes we live like there is no God. 
you're a believer in Christ. If you've trusted in Christ, you are a believer. And you, oh, yep, yep, Jesus is God. Yeah, keep on preaching that, Pastor Mike. That's good, okay, right? There is a God. His name is Jesus. He saved me. But we live like there is no God. We don't pray. We don't go to him with our issues and problems. We don't seek him to see what he says about how we should live. Some of you might recognize the name Craig Rochelle. He's an author and Bible teacher. And he says, when we live like this, we live like Christian atheists. Meaning, we are believers, but because we're prideful, we think we could do everything on our own, so we live like the atheists do. Because that's how they live, right? They live like there's no God and there's no help, there's nothing else, it's just them, and they have to make all the changes. Well, Christians, we, when we're given the pride, that's how we live. Like Christian atheists. We live like there is no God. Okay, Jesus saved me, but you know what? I'm going to do my thing and live the way that I live. And we don't pray. We don't go to God. We don't study his word. We don't spend time with him. We don't look at life through his lenses. We look at it through how we feel about things. Which brings us to the next toxic and unhealthy thing that pride does in our lives is this. Pride leads to this. Self-deception. Galatians 6.3 For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If our view of self is higher than it ought to be, we might feel there's nothing that needs to change. If our view of self is higher than it ought to be, we might look at our life and say, there's nothing that needs to change. So here's what happens. We stop evaluating. We stop admitting that we have flaws. We live daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, thinking we have arrived, not seeking to improve or change at all. Now, I'll just remind you this. None of us have arrived. Have arrived. You get that? Okay. And if you're sitting there saying, I have, well, keep listening. <laughs> so when we get to the point, when we get to that point where we feel like, I don't need any change. I, nothing needs to change. I, I'm fine. The next toxic and unhealthy thing will show itself. And that is pride sets us up for failure. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Haughty is arrogant or superior. When we're prideful and arrogant, we have a superiority complex. We will eventually fall. We will eventually ruin our, our relationships. We'll eventually be the person that no one wants to be around. Now, there's plenty of biblical examples of prideful people, right? But the most memorable is when King David was up on his roof, right? Admiring his kingdom. Some of you might know the rest of the story with Bathsheba. If you don't, after church day, it's a nice rainy day, go home, open your Bible to 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, and you could read the whole account. Which brings us to the last topic, or excuse me, toxic and unhealthy thing pride will do, and that is this. Pride sets us up in opposition to God. But he gives more grace, therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, God hates when we are prideful, just like we hate when the people around us are prideful. God will oppose you, but not because he hates you, but because 
He wants you to stop being prideful. You get that? God will oppose you not because he hates you. He hates the fact that you're being prideful. He knows what's best for you. And he knows if you hang on to that pride, you're never going to change. This is why there are warnings and passages that teach us how to combat the pride in our lives so that we can live in this new life in Christ, so we can make the changes that need to be made. So we're going to look at those. The first way to combat pride in our lives is this. Don't think too highly of yourself. Let me just tell you this. If you are easily offended, you may be struggling with pride. Why do I say that? Because you probably take yourself a little bit too seriously. Okay? You probably take yourself a little bit too seriously. Sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves that we have such a high view of ourselves, it leads to pride. If somebody says something that offends us, where you know it, we just bristle at it. We, you can't say that, or you can't offend me like that. We start to think the way we do things is the best way, and sometimes the only way. Are you like that? Someone you know like that? We start to think our opinion matters more than the opinions of others. And we feel if people do not listen to us and follow our advice, they're wrong because we're obviously right. Okay? We have this high view of ourselves. We have this high view of ourselves. I know what's best and everyone should live and listen to me. Now, Proverbs 26 12 says it this way. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Okay, Proverbs are really honest, aren't they? Sometimes we may think so highly of ourselves, we want others to think that way as well of us. So we broadcast our accomplishments. This is widely accepted in our culture with the use of social media. We see that, right? But here's what Proverbs 27.2 says about that type of promotion. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Now, the next way that we co combat pride in our lives is this. Put others before yourself. So remember, you're trying to change the way that you look at things. So now you're not thinking too highly of yourself. Okay, that's the way we combat. But the next is you start to put others before yourselves. Here's what... Um, Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. The action of thinking of others before yourself forces you to be less prideful. Do you realize that? Because your thought processes are going towards other people. Because we start to think of ourselves less. You realize that? When we start to think about others, their feelings, others' needs how we can help others, it naturally will combat the pride that we have in our life because the focus is on them rather than us. Some of us will go through life and we just think, me, 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 what I want, how I feel, what I think about this. That's why I say those people that are easily offended are given the pride because they're, they're thinking, oh, how does that impact me? Okay? How does that make me feel? Which brings us to the next way, and that is this. Be empathetic. Romans uh, 12, 
15 through 16. It says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. The ability to understand and share the feelings with others. Prideful people have a hard time with empathy because they're self-absorbed. That's what happens. Prideful people have a hard time with empathy because they're self-absorbed. Paul says in this passage, rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those who weep. Or in other words, be empathetic. Reminds me of a few weeks ago, we went to a men's warehouse. Zane is getting measured for his suit. We walk in and uh, the two young guys, they were both Zane's age, 22 years old, 22 and 23. And they, he said, oh, I need to get measured for a suit. And the one kid said, what's the occasion? He says, I'm getting married. The kid said, how old are you? Same as like 22. And the kid's like, I'm 22. I need to get my act together. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so he takes Zane off. And then the other kid, I was standing by the counter chatting with him as I chat with people. So he was asking me about Zane. He's like, oh, you know, what's your son do? Where's he going to live? All this stuff. So I was telling him, I was like, he's got a good job and, you know, he's, he's got a house and everything. And the kid literally, when I said that, I was like, yeah, he's got a good job. I said, he's got a house. The kid literally goes like this, let's go. <laughs> he was so happy for him. It was so cool. It made me feel so good that this young guy, rather than looking at it saying like, I got to get my act together, he was the opposite end. He was like, man, I'm so happy for this kid. He doesn't even know him. You see, pride, what it does is it keeps our focus on ourselves. And we have a hard time sharing the feelings of others and being supportive of them through the victories and through the defeats. So maybe if you're too prideful, every time you hear something, if you hear somebody's victory, you, you see it as a defeat for yourself. But if you see somebody that's in defeat, you see it as like, a, well, I'm doing better than them. Do you realize that's the inkling of pride there? That, that's like looking at yourself rather than being empathetic and saying, you know what? I'm going to celebrate with those who celebrate. I'm going to mourn with those who mourn. The next way we combat pride is this, not boasting. This one gets dicey, right? Because sometimes in life we're so excited about the things that are going on in our lives. The achievements that we have, the, the achievements that we have, and a lot of times we share these things because we, we want to inspire other people, right? So I'm not speaking out and saying, never, you know, like your social media should be all bad things that happen to you, or you should never say anything that's positive. I'm not saying that. But sometimes in pride, we start to boast. Okay? We start to boast. And the prideful boasting is what the prophet Jeremiah actually speaks out against. And let's look at this. It says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. 
For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. See, the idea of this passage is this. You may have been blessed, right? You may have been blessed with wisdom, with strength, with wealth. But as a believer, the credit and boast needs to go to the Lord. Because guess what? You wouldn't have those things if it wasn't. If you're going to take ownership of those things, if you're going to say, I achieve those things, there's going to be a problem. Think about this. What is the content of your conversations with others? What is the content of your conversation with others? Is it always things and achievements and what you know? Or is it about the Lord? Is it about what He's done? About how He's blessed? Here's what Proverbs 25, 27 says. It is not good to eat much honey. For any of you that are trying to cut out sugar this New Year's, that's a good one. Um, Nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Boast in ourselves, boasting in ourselves, is really seeking our own glory. Because basically what's happening here is this. Something going on, something that you have achieved, something that you accomplished, people didn't notice. I got to tell them how amazing I am, right? Remember that, let the lips of another praise you? Okay, that's where we need to go. So here's what happens. In our pride, we need to be noticed. Because really, pride is a form of insecurity, isn't it? Because we're looking for the pats on the back. We feel like, okay, somebody should notice. And if they don't, I'm going to make sure they do. See, the funny thing is, if you are chasing true glory, James tells us the way to get it. Says, humble yourselves before the Lord and what? He will exalt you. Okay, so for any of us that are chasing our own glory, here's the way you do it. Humble yourselves, okay? We can combat pride in our lives. It frees us to live the new life that we have in Christ. When we do that, he gives us the power. He gives us the grace and what we need to make necessary changes in our life. The changes that need to be made or that you desire to change, don't normally happen overnight, right? These changes don't, I mean, some of you are your weekend. If you've had any goals or resolutions for this new year, right? You're a weekend, day seven, right? Statistics say that you got two weeks left and you're done, okay? So here's the thing. They don't happen overnight. They're hard work, whatever that is. But here's the thing. We need to be patient and enjoy and learn through the process. Do you realize that? We need to be patient with that. Some of the most exciting times in your life are going to be times that God's pressed upon your heart to change something, and the journey to the change, you learn the most, you grow the most, you have the most fun, so to speak. It doesn't just happen overnight. I want to close with this passage from Ecclesiastes. Better is the end of things than the beginning, than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So this morning, we're going to observe communion. And it's really perfect timing for this. Because communion really focuses in on two things. One, 
our need for salvation, right? Jesus died. His blood was shed. His body was broken on our behalf for our sins. We needed that. Okay, so we're constantly reminded what our need is. Salvation from Christ. So when we celebrate communion, when we observe communion, we're saying, I remember, Jesus, that you did this for me. But the second thing is this. It's a time for us to evaluate our own life. And sometimes in our own pride, it's hard for us to admit that there's things that we're struggling with. Because we don't want to look weak. We don't want others to know. Whatever it is, we look at our lives and we have a hard time admitting. Well, communion is a time for us to evaluate and admit. Lord, this is where I fall short and I can't change it on my own. That's the key, right? I can't change it on my own. You can't do it on your own. In your pride, you might be sitting there like, many people have conquered many things without the Lord and this and that. That might be somewhat true. But you will never live the life that Christ promises you to live if you sit in pride. So you need to admit. Admit. So whatever you're struggling with right now, I would just, you know, when, when you're quiet with the Lord, just give it up to Him and just ask Him for help. Admit, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Please help me. And guess what? He will. So I'm going to give you a few moments to your